Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we get to chat with Eric Severson, our chief people officer, about how to lead diversity and belonging. Welcome, Eric. (laughs) Thanks, Grace. It's an honor to be here. Eric, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today. Really appreciate you you, sh- you coming in and, and chatting with us about this topic. Personally, you know, it's created some fear for me, and I've had some nervousness around getting into environments and into these conversations, and maybe saying the wrong thing and being misperceived. So let's let's start with you know why do you feel it's so important for us to engage in this topic and get past any discomforts that we may have in the village? Sure. Well, I definitely understand that, Doug, and I think that. There's a lot of discomfort that most people have with areas of difference with others. And I think we're living at a, in a moment in history where that's really accentuated, particularly in the United States. So why is it so important? I think as a village that strives to be a community first and a company second, our differentiated advantage is that we are a community, not just a company. And part of being a community is being a place where everyone feels like they belong. And where the concept of belonging really comes from is the work of a very famous psychologist, Abraham Maslow, who created what many of us learned about in school, Maslow's hierarchy of need. And what you might remember is that in Maslow's hierarchy, there were five basic needs that all human beings have regardless of where they're born, regardless of their race or their gender or anything else that distinguishes them. And one of those basic needs is the need to belong, the need Hmm. to fit in. And it's so powerful for all human beings that they will do almost anything to have it met. And in fact, there was uh, a study conducted a couple of months ago by the consulting firm EY that found that Belonging in the workplace is second for most people only to the need to belong at home. And it actually is more important than most people than their need to belong in their local community or even their their place of worship. Oh, wow. So it shows how important belonging at work is to people. Yeah. Yeah. We spend most of our time there. That makes total sense. It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, could you um, say a little bit more too about your personal journey with diversity and belonging? We know you're the chief people officer here, so there's a certain work aspect of it that you need to be aware of and, you know, to support and foster as well. How about personally, you know, what's your personal journey been that drew you to this topic and and have um, created this passion for you around the topic? Sure. So I think like most people, I have been in instances in my life where I felt like I belonged and those in which I felt like I didn't. So why don't I start with times when I felt like I didn't belong. Hmm. So I think the most poignant for me was probably going all the way back to high school. And I went to high school from a Catholic school and I went to a public high school. So I didn't know anybody when I got there. And one of the experiences I had when I was like, say like eighth grade was a bunch of the other kids at school uh, decided that I was gay. I had not told them that, but they had decided that I was. And so they started picking on me and I was hit and thrown against the lockers wow. and yeah. uh, excluded from things. And the, the, the most poignant experience I remember was one day going to lunch in the cafeteria. And 
coming with my tray and looking for a place to sit down. And those that group of kids, I told everybody else, don't let him sit down. So I were walking around the cafeteria looking for a place to sit down. Nobody would let me sit down. And I eventually just decided, well, I'm just going to leave. So I went, dumped my lunch in the trash and went and looked. And this had happened before. So I was went to the library. I was going to sit in the library until the bell rang. But the library was closed for some reason. So I remember going out to the the far end of the building to this stairwell, this cold stairwell where not many people use, and just sitting there waiting for the bell to ring until it was time to leave lunch. And thinking to myself, I really just want to be someplace where I belong. Mm. And well, it seems like a sad story. I'm actually really glad that that happened because it really did two things for me. One, I think it really imprinted on me something that I'll never forget, which is what it feels like to be someone who's on the outside, who's an outsider and doesn't belong. And that has informed everything in my do, I do in my career, which leads me to the second thing I'm grateful for, which is that the profession I've chosen is a direct, indirect response to that experience. So my job today, as it has been for the last 25 years, is to help teammates within companies reach their full potential. And part of what it takes to reach one's full potential, as Maslow said, is to belong. And so mm -hmm. throughout my whole career journey, that is one of the things I've been most focused on. And I have been uh, a head of diversity and inclusion in my last company, where my sole job was to figure out how to, how to help people fit in. Um, I've been a uh, equal employment opportunity officer, where I conducted investigations to make sure that people were free of harassment and discrimination. And now I'm a chief people officer. And probably the most important part of my job is to figure out how everyone finds their place to fit in so they can contribute to the overall well-being of the village. Wow. Yeah. Just a quick question back. You said uh, those feelings, you still remember what it felt like to not belong somewhere. So just for our listeners out there, you know, if they didn't have necessarily an experience like that although they could have felt similar emotions. How, what, how would you describe those emotions that you mm. felt? What were the names of some of those emotions you were feeling at the time? So maybe our listener could, could think of a time when they felt those emotions too. Sure. And I just do want to say, Grace, I don't think I've ever met a human being who has not ever felt excluded and who does not know what it feels like to not belong. So mm. some of those emotions that we've all felt are feeling alone, feeling lonely, mm. feeling isolated, feeling not cared for, feeling disrespected, uh, feeling unsafe, all of those things we all know how to experience. So this is one of the most important things I think anyone can take away from this conversation is that the, the conversation about diversity and belonging isn't for some people and not for other people. It's for everyone. That, that's one of the things I love most about the conversation about belonging is that as Maslow said, there isn't a person on earth to whom this does not apply. Every human being everywhere has a fundamental need to belong. And to the extent that we in our village can create a place where everyone belongs, we will get the most out of every teammate and fulfill what is our people vision in the village, which is to unleash teammate potential, to unlock our village performance in service, obviously, to delivering the best patient care we possibly can. I think that's really um, interesting and really key because I know in my own journey of belonging that there was a moment in there where I stumbled over and realized, wait, I'm feeling weird and like I don't fit. 
and realizing, wait, it's probable, it's probable that everyone else here feels that same way (laughs) in some way. And like, it was this big light bulb that went off Mm. that like, oh, I'm not, I am not this weirdo. I think I am. Well, and then to really embrace it and say, yeah, I am the weirdo. I think I am. And that's okay. We're all weird in some way. One of the things, Doug, that I love about the evolution into belonging from what has been called traditionally inclusion is that there's something about the word inclusion that it's certainly better to be included than to not be included. Anybody who's been excluded knows it feels better. But when I've talked to teammates and I've talked to hundreds if not thousands of teammates about this subject over the years, what they say is it's better to be included than excluded, but I'd rather that we all just belong. Mm. And that there's something about the, the term inclusion that suggests that someone who's outside the group needs to be included on the insiders group. And what I aspire to for our village is that we're all insiders. Yeah. There are no outsiders. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So, um, so you talked about a time when you didn't belong. So yeah, let's hear, hear a time. What was it like? What was the atmosphere like when you really truly felt, hey, I belong here? It's one of the main reasons that I chose to join the village two years ago is that as someone who's made his life about creating workplaces where everyone can reach their full potential, I was really looking for a place that truly valued community because community is the essence of belonging. So to join a place that publicly asserted that it is a community first and a company second, which no other Fortune 500 company I know of has done, and who has constructed its core values and its operating practices around that very principle and around the principle of caring for one another with the same intensity with which we care for our patients, that really has spoken to me. Mm. And, And as KT often says, we are not perfect. As a human organization, we never will be. So part of what we always have to continue to strive for is to be a place where every teammate who comes into the village belongs. Mm -hmm. So to me, to be in the village, a place that has as its core values, the concept of belonging baked in, uh, that is so inspirational to me. And as KT would say, I think, uh, we can never rest on the idea that just because we are a community, that it doesn't take work every single day to include every person who joins us. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And and I yeah, I, I feel the same way about the village. It's it's a really special place in my mind. And so I I'd love to drill down a little bit more specific too to your kind of your day to day, right? So when you're walking into work, like how do, what emotions are you feeling then? Like what how do you know that this is a place when you come to it every day that you feel like you belong? So I think it's it's not in just the programs and it's not in just training sessions, et cetera. It's in how I observe that each teammate is treated every day. So I spend a fair amount of time out visiting clinics and I work out of one of our clinics several times a month. And the reason for that is I want to be around the environment that our teammates face every day and the challenges to belonging that naturally exist. Because of course, when you have uh, new people coming into your facility on a regular basis, new patients, new teammates, that changes the dynamics of people. So 
people get angry, they get frustrated, they get sad, they have all kinds of human emotions. So to me, what I'm really looking for is how well are we dealing with that? How well are we providing tools and resources to leaders to be able to overcome the natural human challenges to an environment of belonging? You know, the, the title of our episode is um, How to Lead Diversity and Belonging. And I think that's part of what you're pivoting into a little bit here. But i um, wondering if you could drill down a little bit more into what specifically could um, not only our leaders, but all of our teammates be doing to be engaging in this topic and this conversation and building a community of belonging? Sure. Well, I think it probably starts with awareness and awareness of when you feel that you belong and when you feel welcome and when you don't and what behaviors cause you to feel that way and how, what impact you have on others. So I'm very aware that although I'm incredibly intentional about trying to create belonging for the people around me, as a human being, I fail at times. And I just think even this morning, as I'm getting on the elevator, I realized partway up that because I was concerned about being late for this discussion, <laughs> I was looking at my phone and trying to figure out where the room was and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't notice that there was another person on the elevator and I didn't acknowledge that person. So I made a point at that point to say good morning, but just small little gestures, like whether or not you acknowledge someone in the elevator, whether you acknowledge someone in the store when you're checking out, these have a huge impact on other people and how they feel, and especially if they know you. Um, and so I think it starts with, with awareness of your own conduct and your own behavior and the small micro steps that every person can take every day to make people around them feel more welcome. Yeah, part of what I hear in there is this distinction we make in some of our programs around intent versus impact and um, having a really clear intention, but then also staying sensitive to what is that potential impact that's happening and how to navigate that more, more mindfully. Yeah, I also think, um, Doug, that like I think about, I lived in San Francisco for 25 years and something that I struggled with the whole time was that on my way to work every day, hmm. I would walk to the subway and on the way to the subway, I generally encountered somewhere between a dozen and two or three dozen people who asked me for money, who mm -hmm. seemed, appeared to be homeless. And I did my best on my, on my way to work to at a minimum, like every person in the eye to acknowledge them as a human being. And even if I didn't have money to give to them, to at least look at them in the eye and say, uh, I can't help you today, but I hope you have a good day. Hmm. But there were days where like I was in the elevator today, I was rushing, I was looking at my phone, I was in a bad mood, whatever, and didn't do it. And I think that we're always going to be on a journey to try to be our best selves and acknowledge other people. And there are going to be moments where we're going to fail, but you just got to keep trying. Yeah, I think I, I, on the topic of diversity and belonging, you know, we, Doug and I were discussing this before the podcast that it can be a sensitive topic at work. I and mean, we've talked about it here where it's, we haven't really hit on any sensitive buttons, right? So far. And 
I actually just had a chat the other day with teammates who said it's really hard for them and their team to have conversations about this because they are afraid of offending someone or afraid that the other person wouldn't understand where they're coming from. So they just don't say anything, except they know that there's some comments here and there. There are some things unsaid, some things said. So, um, and I know personally, I've engaged in some of these conversations myself and you know, I've gotten triggered or the other person's gotten triggered and it just got derailed. So, so how can we as leaders create a safe environment where teammates are more comfortable with just even starting this conversation? Great. Well, I think you've given me an opportunity, Grace, to make a shameless plug for a very important <laughs> new resource that has just been published in The Village. And that's our belonging playbook, which anyone who's listening can access on the Village Web at the Team Mosaic page. And the playbook is designed with a set of tools for anyone, any individual teammate, any leader of others, to connect with others and create a greater sense of belonging. And so there are, for example, a series of homeroom exercises from five minutes to 30 minutes that FAs or other leaders can conduct to create more connection between their teammates and start healthy dialogues on topics that might separate them. There are also a number of techniques that individuals can use to create more connection. So one of the things I've learned in my many years of doing this work is that being successful connecting with other people is much more about the how than the what. And there are a number of evidence-based practices that have been successfully used around the world in incredibly difficult situations of conflict. Uh, for example, in Middle East peace negotiations, mm. in uh, rivalries between neighborhood gangs, in schools uh, with conflicts between teachers and students, and even in prisons uh, where prisoners are using violence against each other. And there's one that has been used in all of these contexts that's in the playbook that we call the creating connections technique. And it's a very simple technique that anyone can use anytime in any situation with their spouse, with their child, with their teammate, where they may have a difference of opinion, a disagreement, or just be uncomfortable in order to connect as they're talking about the subject. And it's essentially based on the idea of objectively stating what you observe, observation, mm. stating what you feel at that moment about what you observe. Third, what you need from the situation. And fourth, what request you want to make of the other person. And it sounds incredibly simple, but what usually happens when people are triggered is their normal pattern is, you did this, mm -hmm. I blame you, this is how you're hurting me. And what this does is allows you to reframe that entire conversation in a way that is de-escalating and de-triggering. Mm -hmm. So again, it's agnostic of what the topic is. You can use it with any topic. And uh, it's one of many that are in the playbook that teammates can use to help build connections or actually talk about things that are upsetting to them. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool resource to have. I, I'm excited about checking it out myself. And I, I am curious, could you walk through just an example? You know, sometimes it can be hard for people to connect with something in writing. If they maybe hear a story or example where you've used this technique uh, to deescalate maybe a conversation that, that was triggering you. Sure. Well, I use this technique all the time at home with my spouse. <laughs> <laughs> 
for example, because we all have conflicts all the time. And so if I'm in a conflict about anything, it might be even as simple as, you know, doing the laundry or taking out the trash, my natural impulse is going to be, why didn't you do the laundry? I don't have a clean shirt. (laughs) And you'll hear in that, you did something, I'm blaming you, and you're responsible for me being angry. The reframing of that that I would do if I pause and reframe it using the creating connections technique is... I don't have a shirt to wear today that's stressing me out because I need to feel like I'm showing up at work with my best self. Mm. Would you be willing to work with me to get the laundry done on the weekend? That's a very different kind of conversation that feels very different to him than attacking and blaming. And, and, and this obviously works to help people connect, but what's also been proven is it's a technique that's much more likely to get you what you are looking for. Hmm. Then our first Mm. impulse, which happens when we're triggered, uh, which is to go on the attack. We are at that time where it's uh, at the end of our episode and we ask every um, uh, contributor here to share a tip. So wondering what tip would you share with our listeners um, that they could go back, go out and do in their life and then come back and, and, uh, experience. So obviously I'm going to say surf over to the village (laughs) webpage and check out the playbook. And one of the things I like about the playbook is that it's not a one size fits all resource. There are resources to fit the various needs of any teammate. And one of the things we do on the page is ask teammates to tell us what more they need because Mm. it's dynamic. We will keep building it out based on what teammates say they're looking for. Cool. That's a great tip. Yeah. It is a great thanks, tip. Thanks so much for being here, Eric. It's been very informative for me uh, personally. So thanks for taking the time. Really well, appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Grace and Doug. I really appreciate it. That was a really helpful discussion with Eric. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I loved his tip at the end. Go to the Village Web Team Mosaic page and check out the new belonging playbook and just pick something to try. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting, Grace. I feel like we only started to scratch the surf, surface of this topic with Eric. And, yeah, uh, I agree. It was We could have talked for another hour with yeah, him, I think. Easily, easily, easily. Yeah, well, the good news is for our listeners out there who want to hear more on this topic, we managed to convince Eric after the interview ended for him to come back on the show and dig a little bit deeper and, and get into some of those more uncomfortable areas. Yeah, the ones that scare me. Yeah, they scare scare me too. <laughs> we're we're going to have to... Why are we doing this? Doing scary things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a stretch for all of us and it'll be good because we'll be demonstrating why we need to be having these conversations and how we can get them started in the village. So I'm really looking forward to our next chats with Eric. Me as well. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we would love to hear some of your stories and your tips as well. So please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so we can know more about how we're doing. See you next week. One for all. All for one.